What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Live. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Monster Legend Podcast. Today's episode is part two of New York. Monster Legends of New York. And today we have a special guest, Ray. How you doing, Ray? Pretty good, sir. Just uh, uh waking up a little while ago, had a long night. Um but here we are. Good. Again. We up to Ray um, subject, which is uh Monsters, stuff like that. Yeah. We were talking last the week. Last... I think we were talking last week and we're talking about what we're going to be talking about today. And we're talking about uh, crocodiles and sewers. Is that right? Oh, yeah. We were talking about that. Um, there's a bunch of different stuff um, going on in New York, apparently. Um, what, have, what have you heard as far as, uh, as far as that? Do you just want to jump right into it or? You want to do a little bit of background or anything like that? Um, do a little background on you first. What? Who are you? What you do? Cool. So my name is Ray Ramos. Um, I am a, I guess a cryptid aficionado a bit. I enjoy uh, studying a lot of uh, paranormal, especially cryptids, which are you know, animals or monsters that exist but should not exist. Um, um, been writing comics for quite a long time, and uh, right now I am working on a comic book about cryptids called uh, The Cryptonals. And uh, you know, I have that up on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook if you guys are interested. And uh, the premise of the story is pretty much a group of cryptids that are a little bit lesser known than the regular cryptids, um, they come together. Kind of like a team, like an X-Men team, I guess you could say, uh, to uh, try and stop the end of the world. Even though humanity hates them and uh, same kind of the same concept as the X-Men, you know, even though they're disliked, they still want uh, to protect the Earth because it's the only place that they know that they, you know, that they exist, even though people don't believe that they exist. And uh, the team consists of Spring Hill Jack, uh, La Llorona, which is a Mexican uh cryptid type banshee monster uh the goat man which is a favorite of mine um also we have uh, uh the man dog which is a local legend here in in the southwest in uh, el paso it's a, a cursed texas ranger that's half man half dog not a mog mind you but half man half dog and uh also we have the reincarnation of quetzalcoatl which is uh, uh aztec god and uh, we have Cthulhu, which is uh, Kid Cthulhu, and he's the god, the elder god Cthulhu of the Cthulhu mythos, but trapped in the body 
of a 12-year-old boy. So that's the team that we have for the Kryptonals. And they fight uh, or they confront evil uh, tulpas. That's what they're called, tulpas, uh, such as the man who is slender, the rake, um, the black-eyed kids, stuff like that. That's the whole premise of, uh, of the Kryptonals. Wow. Sounds really cool. You were showing me um, some of the artwork your guy was working on, and it looks so cool. Thank you. I appreciate it's really... it. Yeah, it, it, it's it's very much in the horror vein. It's not so much uh, like spandex and you know tights and stuff like that. It's yeah. more horror-based, horror disturbing horror kind of thing. I think you know, when it comes to monsters, right away we think horror. We think uh, you know things that we shouldn't be seeing. So, that's a really cool premise of the comic book. I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, when it comes out, I'm sure you know I'll let you know so you can check it out, or maybe we'll have another. You can invite me on your on your cast again, hopefully. But um, yeah, tell me a little bit about you. Man. What do you? How did you get into this? Oh man, like last year around October, I like. I was bored out of my mind. And it's like <laughs> October. I was feeling like, like monster vibes. And I thought, we could cool do like a mo- podcast on monsters. So I started doing it. And I got keep doing it every week. That's cool. Yeah, I, I need to I need to buckle down and, and do something like that too. Because I'm really, really into monsters and cryptids and paranormal. Uh, we do, like I said, we do a stream. Uh, every week, but it's mostly comics and pop culture kind of stuff that, uh, that we talk about on uh, with my with my buddies that do we're doing this comic with. They're called Six Five Six Comics, and they're also on YouTube. If you guys want to check them out and stuff, usually we just talk a lot of trash about the comic book industry and our views and stuff and, and the projects that we're working on. Um, how's the comic book industry these days? Right now, there's a lot of flux because um, because of all the stuff that's going on, you know, the pandemic and just the economy in general. So the yeah. big two companies have really stopped making comics. So DC and Marvel, most of the other companies like Dark Horse and Image, they've completely halted distributing uh, comics. And uh, the indies, which is what I'm part of, the indie comic scene, they're really picking up the slack right now, getting their books out, you know, doing Indiegogo's and Kickstarters and things like that in order to kind of fill that void. And uh, the indie scene right now is very, very hot. It's really taking off because of the crowdfunding platforms. So it's a good time for indie comics. It's uh, kind of a rough time for uh, mainstream comics, I guess you could say. Um, what was your first comic book you read? The first comic book I ever read was Uncanny X-Men 242. And it was uh, the Inferno uh, storyline back, back way, back in the 90s. And um, it it was, uh, it just set set, uh, set my brain on fire, I guess you could say, about comics. Um, And uh, ever since then, I was totally, totally into the art form, into sequential art and stuff. But um, the first comic book that I pick up, picked up that was an indie book, uh, that completely destroyed any semblance I had of what a comic book should be because it just broke all the, all the rules. And it was a comic book by these uh, two writer-artists, 
guys, uh, David Quinn and Tim Vigil. And the name of that comic was Faust. And I picked up that comic at a, at a swap at a, a flea market. I picked it up for 25 cents. I didn't know what I was, what I was picking up. And uh, if you ever get a chance, read Faust. Just don't read it with kids around because that thing is just, it just destroys you. Like once you start reading it, you go into this rabbit hole and you just want to know how deep it goes. And just, it's a, it's a gateway. It's a gateway drug to comics, to indie comics and stuff. So I, I highly recommend it. Is it by Tim Vigil and David Quinn? David Quinn, yes. It's it's a little bit hard to find. Um, but uh, I know if you go on eBay, the, the first few issues are really, really easy to find. It's the later issues. They took like 20 years to finish uh, 15 issues. But if you look at the art, you'll understand why. Because the art is just immaculate. It's gorgeous art. And uh, Tim Vigil, he, like you can tell that he every line is placed there for a reason. And the story itself also is very intricate intricate and uh, it's just an awesome awesome book so if you get a chance to check it out it's faust by Quinn uh, and vigil that's pretty awesome um, okay, uh, but like I said don't 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 read it around kids because it's it's really bad <laughs> as far as the content so uh, how long have you been working on this book for this comic book um, this comic book, we've been, I've been working on it off and on for about the past three years. I've done other comics before. I actually worked for Heavy Metal Magazine. Um, one of the stories that I wrote uh, with a, a, this other this artist, um, he had a concept and I kind of fleshed it out for him and we pitched it to Heavy Metal uh, at San Diego Comic Con and uh, they picked it up and it ran for two issues. It was supposed to run a little bit longer, but the artist was having some issues a personal issue so we were only in heavy metal for for two issues but um yeah i've been doing comics for quite a while so cool. right right now actually we are uh getting ready to launch um a zombie comic called undead border escape or die <clears throat> with uh that 656 comics uh crew that i work with and it should be going live hopefully within the next month um, it's called Undead Border Escaper Dying. If you go to Indiegogo, you can check it out. And uh, there's a trailer to it also. I'm sorry we don't have video feed, but uh, the trailer is up. It's kind of like a motion comic trailer. So you can check it out if you get a chance. It's um, Undead Border Escaper Die. So, uh, who's your favorite cryptid? Or what is. My favorite cryptid is Spring Hill Jack. Spring Hill Jack. I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Spring Hill Jack. He's kind of, he's like, I know he's from London and he's like, kind of like Jack the Ripper, kind of. Yeah, it, there's a lot of uh, different legends about him. Um, he's yeah. from London. He happened around the time that Jack the Ripper was happening. So they, they said that that he or it or whatever you want to call Spring Hill Jack was Jack the Ripper. And what he would do is um, he would like just terrorize people in London. They said that he breathed like blue flames, that he could jump really, really high, like as far as high as a building, uh, that he had wings, that he had horns, a bunch of different uh, 
a bunch of different stuff that he could do. And uh, just he's very enigmatic when it comes to cryptids. Like there's no other cryptid that comes close to, to match, I think anyway, uh, Spring Hill Jack. And there was actually sightings of Spring Hill Jack in um, the U.S. Uh, years after the, the England sightings, the London sightings um, in New York. And he it seemed like he was making his way across the U.S. because uh, the last sighting was in 1954, I believe, in, uh, in New Mexico. They saw Spring Hill Jack in New Mexico uh, hanging out, I guess you could say, in uh in some parts of, the, of New Mexico, so it's pretty interesting, and that actually uh, ties into the story that uh, I'm writing for the comic because there's a reason for, for Spring Hill Jack being in, uh, in New Mexico and uh, the stuff that comes along with that. So I don't want to spoil too much of the book, but um, I'm I'm pretty much um, I'm pretty much uh, gonna spoil it once I start talking about about Spring Hill Jack. So it's, it's cool. but yeah, that he's my he's my favorite cryptid. Uh, Reminds me of a. I think they were saying that maybe the Mothman might could be Spring Hill Jack. Yeah, there was there was something about that. Uh, I had read something where somewhere that uh, Mothman might have been like a version of Spring Hill Jack or, or the same. Uh, what is it called? Uh, I guess life form or humanoid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. What, what's your What's your favorite cryptid? Um. They're all pretty cool, but um, I think the black dog is pretty interesting. That that one's I mean the hellhound, the black dog. That yeah, that thing is scary, man. Because that, that thing will haunt you till the end of your days. It'll just stay with you until you until you die. It's like tons of stories about it. Like yeah, there's I think almost every culture has a version of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the area that I live over here, there's uh, there's been sightings of black dogs, and <clears throat> there's a cemetery um, near the border. Uh, it's uh, back in the day they had uh, stacks. They would uh, mine coal, I guess, and uh, that whole area where the smokestacks were, the ground uh, turned black, and there's a cemetery right around that area that belonged to that to that uh, I guess I don't know how to call it a section or whatever of the, of the city but uh, there was a little town that uh, sprung up it was called Smelter Town and there's a Smelter Town cemetery there and they call it the Black Cemetery because the ground is all black due to the smokestack due to the I guess fallout from uh, whatever was coming out of the smokestack and uh, there's a legend that uh, they found a baby skull with horns coming out of it in that cemetery. And that if you go late at night, you'll see that, that skull like floating around and the black dog will always be accompanying you and they'll chase you out of the cemetery. So. Oh my God. That's messed up. Yeah, this it's, it's kind of messed up. Have you ever had any experiences uh, with the black dog? Um, not that I remember. But I'm, I could have, but I probably just forgot it, or it just you just kind of like yeah. 
you know, blocked it out or something. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, crypt- I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh go ahead. No, I was just gonna ask you also you know, how else you got you got into it, like into uh, monsters and cryptids and stuff like that. Oh, um I got uh was going being a little like kindergarten through like fifth grade all I read was like you know it was like Goosebump books or mm-hmm. wrote I just like read yeah. all those. And then I kept reading I started reading the Fear Street series and I just got really interested into like horror and monsters even as, like as a kid. And I seen, those like, are really um, awesome books. Yeah. I, I love those the R. L. Stein books. Yeah. But the show is like can I get it right though? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the show is kind of a little, it seems a little tame. Like they didn't really do justice to the books. Yeah. What was your favorite Goosebumps book? Um, uh, the one with uh, with Slappy. Can't remember the title oh, yeah. of the book. But yeah. Um, it's gotta be Slappy. Like Living Dummy, like something Living Dummy. Yeah, Night of Living Dummy or something. Like that. Yeah. So, yeah. There's what a, part? Uh, what part of the country are you? Are you located in? I'm in Tennessee. Oh, nice! Oh, there's a lot of stuff in Tennessee, man. There's tons and tons of creatures in Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, apparently, uh, there's like a haunted place in my town. I got uh, one of those old timey like museum towns, you know. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's haunted. Oh, really? I just like to uh, check it out. What's what's the story behind that? How is it? How is it haunted? Uh, I think it like it burned down or something, and people died. Oh wow! Yeah, like every every town seems to have a place like that. Like yeah, it burnt down, and you know, there was a bunch of people inside, and on that spot where they. Either they rebuilt or they just left it like that. You can always find some some sort of paranormal activity going on. It was either that or um, this like slaves, like slavery stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. Yeah, there's, there's there was a lot of bloodshed in in that area of the country. I mean, everywhere in the country, there's always been some sort of bloodshed, and. Um, that affects the area. There's like residual, uh, I guess, energy that stays there. And uh, I was reading a little bit about history of town, and there's like a like a cross point where like two big big roads were crossed together. That's why it's called Crossville. Mm-hmm. I guess a lot of people came through there. Oh, really? And uh, if you go there, like at a certain time of night, can you see stuff? Or uh, I think it's they lock it out because it's like for like safety reasons. Oh, I see. 
That sounds really interesting. Have you ever thought about doing like a like an investigation? Uh, all time, but I'm like working all time, so I never have any time to do anything. Yeah, I know what you mean when it comes to that. <laughs> like today, yeah, today's my day. Also, I had the opportunity to come on on your on your cast to talk about the stuff that we like. <clears throat> Plus, uh, I think kind of hard. Like those last months, we had that quarantine going on. We can't really go nowhere, anyways. Not, yeah, you know that's like, that. That's kind of like a a little bit of a blessing in disguise because since you really can't go anywhere or do anything, um, it's a perfect time to just create content, kind of like what we're doing right now. You know, for later on, you know, people are really really hungry for entertainment right now, so. I mean, I'm going to plug your podcast as soon as I get a chance. Since, you know, I want people to check it out. But that just draws people into it, especially the the uh, the concepts that we're talking about. I think uh, people need a. I can't remember like the last good like monster movie that's been out. The last one that I saw was uh, Underwater. That one was really, really good. I actually really liked it. It, uh, I think it came out in, I want to say February. It hasn't been that long. It was still in the theaters. I don't know if you if you've seen it or not. Or if you saw the trailer for it. Oh, with um, Kristen Stewart. Yeah, it's it it's not what you. Out. Yeah, it just came out. It's not it's not what you think it is. Um, I I don't think they did the the. I guess the guys... advertising for it, they didn't yeah. do it justice because you you got to watch it. If you get a chance, uh, check it out because it's it's really good actually. Cool. That's really cool. What was your favorite? Um, yeah, monster movie. Um. Oh man, that's a hard one. <laughs> There's so many. Um, I mean, does zo- do zombie movies count? Does that count? Um, or... Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> they're monsters. Uh, Day of the Dead, I guess. Day of the Dead was the one that did it for me as a kid. It scared the crap out of me. Oh, uh, about Is that the original 1960 something? Uh, this, it came out in like in 1985 or or six or something, but um, like I saw it as as a kid, and I saw it like on, on video. That scared the crap out of me. Just, I mean, the whole setup itself, because like now on DVD, you don't get the same kind of effect that you would get watching it as a kid on video. Because you put the video in the in the VHS, and even that kind of like is a little bit creepy, because the VHS kind of like turns on and starts worrying and you can hear the gears working and then the video comes on and there's like tracking and it adjusts and then the movie starts playing and that just adds to the whole I guess presentation you could say because now I mean, with digital it just pop it in and there's no tracking and it just plays automatically so it kind of loses a lot of the allure but uh, like on VHS movies so watching especially the older horror movies um, monster movies that really adds to the whole effect 
I guess of, of uh, witnessing whatever it is you're going to witness on that on that tape. And Day of the Dead was one of those movies. It was really really creepy to begin with. The effects were just beyond the time, and uh, everybody that worked on that movie really really did a good job on it. And uh, a lot of those people are still working in this industry. Um, uh, one of the 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 special effects people, Nick Rick, I'm sorry, Nick uh, Nicotero, uh, Nicotero Gregory Nicotero is still working. He does The Walking Dead uh, makeup and uh, special effects, and he's actually directed a few of the Creep Show, uh, the new the new series of Creep Show that comes out on Shutter. I think he's directed a few of those episodes also. So there's a lot of people in the industry that kind of came from the 80s movies and they're still working today just making more horror have you ever, have you ever seen uh, uh, that creep show the new one I, uh, I think I've seen a little bit of it mm-hmm. it's pretty good it's pretty interesting oh, good show. Mm-hmm. this is yeah I need to see this both these what uh what's your favorite uh monster movie um it oh not it but, not it but um the thing oh the thing yeah oh that thing oh man you're talking that one's one of the greatest monster movies of all time with uh, the effects on that too just and the creepiness the creepiness factor of it the music, everything, the, the setup. I love that movie. I love that movie a lot. All the, I think the original is way better than the remake. The original? Yeah. The 1953 or whatever? The, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The thing from, the, a, I think it was called The Thing from Another World or something like that. The Stanley Kubrick? <clears throat> oh. The 1982 one, yeah, that's uh, that one was really, really good, man. That's the one you're talking about. What What is it that uh, that really got you about that movie? It was just like how the monster could like change into anything and be like anybody, and then being you know, isolated and. Antarctica. Yeah, that movie just plays up on your on your fear of like the unknown, I guess, of being alone and not knowing what's out there. That that's a really, really good movie. It's a great monster too. The effects on that thing was scary. Let me see. Do you think um do you think that horror movies can I, I mean the way that I see it what do you what do you consider a better horror movie a horror movie that shows you a lot of gore and a lot of uh, special effects or a movie that's doesn't do as much but it's very disturbing and it kind of like leaves you kind of feeling off without showing you a lot uh- I think a good horror movie would find a balance between that, those two. Mm-hmm. And 
but I prefer be more like leave it up to your imagination and like but not like this have a character give exposition in the scene about what's going on just like leave it up to the audience about what's happening mm-hmm. uh, I can agree with that <coughs> it's a good balance of the two I always, I always uh, more like I guess fond of uh, horror movies that are disturbing I think the last one that was kind of like that was that uh, one Hereditary. Have you seen that one? Uh, maybe. I, I watched so many movies. It's uh, it's, it's kind of hard to describe without giving away too much, but it's very, very disturbing. And there's scenes in it that just leave you kind of like, what the hell did I just watch? Kind of stuff. Um, but if you get a chance, check it out. It's called uh, Hereditary. Oh well. So, what about these um, these mole people you're talking about? Oh, the mole people. Have, um, did you did you read any anything that I sent you about that? That was kind of kind of crazy, man. Yeah, that's real crazy. Um, have you ever been to uh to New York? Uh, I passed through it. I was uh riding with my dad while he's trucking. Mm-hmm. We had um went through like, across the bridges and stuff, and not, traffic's crazy. I would never want to live there. Yeah, it it just seems kind of kind of nuts, man. I mean, I don't know, just like this whole underground society that that lives underneath New York and the abandoned uh, you know, tunnels and the subway systems that they don't use anymore. And stuff like that, and um, just—I mean, that, that could happen in any city, you know. Then the, 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 they're down there so long that you know, their eyes kind of have adapted to to seeing the world without a lot of light, and they don't really come out. And it's just really, really bizarre to to hear about that stuff. I mean, what do you, you what know, do you think about that? I think it's really. Um, I think it's sad that they don't have like homes and stuff, but I guess that they're happy, okay. And I heard yeah, they I mean, like, heard of, like have like whole like elections and stuff down there and everything. They have a whole system of society down there. It's crazy. Yeah, they have their own society. They don't really interact with the, with the top world. I guess you could say with the surface world. Um. And I mean, these people that don't have anywhere else to go, they've made their society down there. Um, and then there was talks that they were, they were cannibals and that they would go up to the top world and like steal people and bring them down uh, into the underground, and just, you know, torture them or, or eat them and stuff like that. And uh, they, they kind of like turned into kind of like boogeymen, I guess you could say. Yeah, true. Also, it reminded me of like, um, I've heard like wild man stories. Yeah, the wild man. I've heard about that. Don't you have those in, in Tennessee? You have a lot of those kind of like Sasquatch, wild men kind of stuff. <clears throat> yeah. It's like, I was reading a whole bunch of like wild men, like, like anybody who's like crazy and does 
I think it's what they, they, they would call them before, like, psychology got more better at what call them. I don't know some people with, um, stuff. Mm-hmm. Is there anything like that around where you, where you live? Um, not really. I'm, I live in a pretty small town. Just, everything's pretty normal. I think in uh in New York, uh, the thing about the Mormon or the mole people, I guess you could say was the fact that uh, there was always sightings, but there was never any concrete proof until people started finding stuff. And, and the thing is that there is, there's, there's a society that lives, uh, that lives down there, but it's not the, it's not the boogeyman that people would think. Um, I did see something a while back about, uh, in Las Vegas, um, there's these tunnel systems, the drain, the, the, I guess the sewer drains, the, because when it does flood, because Las Vegas is pretty much in an area where it floods a lot, that uh, these tunnel systems are down there to prevent, you know, major flooding in the city. And a lot of people that they've fallen through the cracks, that they don't have anywhere to go, uh, they live in, in those tunnels. And uh, there was a documentary about this guy that went down there, and he was interviewing these people. And a lot of the people, you know, they just, I mean, it's Vegas, so they Falling on hard times, they pretty much gambled everything away. They got nowhere else to go, so they start living in these tunnels. And there's like a like a hierarchy, also. There's a, you know certain certain rules that you need to follow if you're going to live in the in the tunnels. But they, their houses are set up. They have electricity. They have you know like TV and all this stuff down underground in the tunnels. And stuff. It's crazy. Hmm. Pretty smart. Boy taxes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 in those uh, those underground cities. They do exist, and it's just people that have been forgotten that that are down there. Oh, did you read about um, this like giant underground city that was found in like eighteen hundreds in Nevada? I think it was. Uh, um, explain that one to me. I don't think I've heard about that one. Um, I remember correctly. Like, they were digging in Nevada, and they got an underground cave system, and they found like this giant, like underground city. I was like there for like thousands of years, <clears throat> and they found giant bones there. Uh, petrified, I guess. Oh really? Like uh oh wow, four foot femur bones. Wow. And skull. No, I, I, giant. I hadn't heard about that. When 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 was this? When did they find that? Uh, like something eighty eight, eighteen eighty eight, eighteen ninety, I think. I could be wrong mm-hmm. about that. I'm not. I'm not great on numbers. Mm-hmm. They mentioned it in the newspaper, and but they never followed up on it. 
they never followed up on it, so they lost it. <laughs> they don't know where it's at. Yeah, I don't know. It's, they're so, they're so, they were so bad at keeping up with stuff back then. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, oh, we're going to check it out next week. And like, they'll never, they never found, never talked about it again in this paper. And they never went back. They never found it. Man, see, stuff like that, like lost opportunities. Uh, uh, going back to the wild man thing, uh, there was that, that one uh, traveling, uh, I guess, a sideshow that supposedly they had a frozen Bigfoot. They had it on ice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, from, um, yeah. What's it from? God. I'm not sure. I don't remember, but, uh, like, stuff like that. What happened to that? You know, what happened to that frozen Bigfoot? Where is it? I know what you're talking about though. I read about it. Yeah. I hate that when you like remember something. I know what? Tell my head. <laughs> I think it's from uh, I don't know. Um what do you think about you these know, crocodiles? What do you think about these alligators in the sewers? The alligators in the sewers? Man, um that was in uh in New York also. Man, it seems like everything happens in New York. Huh? There's like a bunch of stuff always going on, or there's <laughs> a lot of uh, like urban legends that come up with the big cities and stuff like that. Um, as far as that, uh, there there supposedly still is an alligator or alligators rather that live in the the New York sewers. I know that uh, I heard like as as recently as 2010. I think in 2010 they did catch like a baby alligator in uh, in some part of I think in Queens, um, but they say that supposedly that alligators can't live down there very long because it's very very cold in the winter time, so they wouldn't be able to to live there. But uh, they have found like little baby alligators in the sewers uh, as far back as like 1930 or something like that. Um, and I'm not even I'm not even sure how they got down there, but uh but they they're there. Yeah. Uh give a little background on the how this alligator thing started. Uh there are the alligators that supposedly infest New York City's sewer system. So they're mm-hmm. through the balls that's under the street level, feed on rats and rubbish, terrorizing sewer workers, arms, guns, or self defense. Uh, I don't think alligator could like live off rats. They have to eat like a ton of rats to like escape. Yeah, because like, all they, they do get... is go ahead. No, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, go go ahead, I'm sorry. Um, I think they said like, all alligators do all day is like eat and like fuck pretty much. And sunbathe. <laughs> That's like, what I've heard. Some... Cause like they eat so much because they wanna be big. So it's like I'm I'm big. Alligator in the river. You know? Like a... I mean that's what oh. that's what I've heard that um that they, I know I know that in Florida they've caught them like in the in the drains and the sewers because it's easier because they're all over the place in Florida. And uh since the temperatures are different than New York, I would think it would be easier to catch an alligator in a in a sewer or in a, in a storm drain. In, uh, in Florida, because uh, 
you know, a lot of those, uh, they empty out into the swamps and that's where the alligators can come into the swamps. But in New York, I mean, it'd kind of be difficult, I guess, for an alligator to travel all the way from Florida to New York, right? <laughs> True. Oh, how? I won't. I think it's uh, kind of hard to like travel. Like, how far is that from Florida to New York? That's 200 miles. Quite a bit. It's quite a bit, I think. Um, man, I, hundreds of miles, I guess you could say. It's it's quite a distance. I mean, I don't even know if an alligator could walk that far. So, I, I doubt I doubt they would be able to to swim up there. Maybe if I start as a baby and grow up. Oh. Yeah. Or unless somebody let it loose, like in, in New York, if they just threw it down the sewer. I know if you throw it down the toilet, it's going to die. It's not going to It's not gonna survive going down the toilet. But um, like if you throw it in the sewer, in the, in the storm drain or something like that. So Apparently, there's a alligator in the sewer day in February. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I did not know that. I heard. I heard yeah. also that uh, there was uh, sharks in, uh, in New York in the New York Harbor. Supposedly, there's been a lot of shark sightings. I can see that. Like, not crazy. I think they can get into the ocean yeah. from the ocean. Yeah, I mean, it leads to the ocean, so I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there's been quite a few that have gone up there that people have never seen because no one's always in the water so yeah and like reports go back to like over a century of like alligators and sewers in New York yeah they've been, it's been going on for for quite some time so it, it's, it's from what I've heard it's usually people that they just ditch them because they have pets, you know, they have them illegally and they just ditch them in the sewer or they ditch them in the storm drain or, you know, even in, in Central Park where there's water, they just kind of just throw them away thinking that, uh, you know, they'll be all, be all right. But, uh, I mean, it, it is a thing. It's alligators in the sewer is a thing, uh, I think, that could happen very easily, like in any city. Oh, sure. uh, um Westchester, two boys uh, brought in a three-foot didat gator, claimed that the Brock River was swarming with live ones. Oh, wow. Yeah, three feet, that's, that's, yeah, you're starting to get a little bit into the dangerous section right there. Even at two feet, I think those things are pretty dangerous. So. Yeah. At a foot, though, they can take a finger. Yeah. Even, even when they're tiny like that, they'll take out I'll take out a finger. Uh, armed with fishing nets and chucks of cow's livers, officers combed the jungles of the Bronx River to capture alligators for the Bronx Zoo. Times reported and the hunt was discontinued when the police realized that the boys had merely found an escaped pet. Like you're saying. One had a pet alligator. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're... That's a whole other story right there. Like, Why do they have a pet alligator? <laughs> Uh, we're gonna do with it. You're gonna walk it or something? Mm-hmm, exactly. You're gonna feed it dogs and cats and stuff and rats. It's like spending a fortune on like buying meat. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
uh, Seminole, New York City surrogator event came on February 9th, 1935, when some East Harlem teens spied an alligator down a storm drain and then lassoed and hauled it up with a clothesline. Oh, wow. That'd be, that'd be some crap. Exactly. No, no thanks. Another reason to not, uh, not going to the source in New York. It's the mole people, the alligators. Who knows what else down there? Oh. Uh, Teddy May, uh, a New York City sewer official reported spotting animals in the 1930s. In 1937, a barge captain pulled a four-foot, eight-inch alligator out of the East River while lassoing the animal around its wildly waving forefeet in Fort New York, Herald Tribune. Damn. I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that um, the same stuff or the stuff that was thrown away back in the, in the first half of the 19th century or the 20th century, rather, um, is way different than the stuff that's thrown away now, like chemicals and stuff like that. And stuff that we just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, just flush it or like throw it down the sink. Like back in the 1930s, it was a little bit more of a chore to to throw something away, and there wasn't that much stuff that was, um, I guess, uh, fabricated or that was not uh, natural. Most of the stuff that was thrown away back then was just like you know, stuff that was uh, that was organic, that was grown, uh, not a lot of chemicals. And I think it would be easier for an alligator to survive in that type of environment than now, because now you got people throwing away you know, medicines and pills, drugs, chemicals, household, I guess, cleaning, cleaning mm -hmm. uh, items and stuff like that. So I was reading and they're saying like the big thing was like people buying like baby alligators like comic book like newspapers yeah and, and then we get them in the mail because uh i guess new york had a thing about you can't have like alligators in new york but it's okay if you like mail get it mail get it in the mail <laughs> and, then we, and, we, and we get the baby alligators and then we're like oh this thing's too big we gotta get rid of it so like they'll flush it down the toilet exactly or like, let it lose they just want to get rid of it and they just flush it down the toilet and something. Dun, dun, there you go. There's your alligator in the sewer. Yeah. In a 1959 book, uh, author Robert Daly wrote up that Mr. May was devious when his crew reported seeing a big albino alligator in various gator colonies in the sewers. Great. Wow. Man, I believe it. I mean, life will find, like like they say in Jurassic Park, right? Life will yeah. find a way, you know. Yeah. Uh, you ever seen an alligator? In, like, um, it's interesting because here in, in, in town, I live in El Paso, and yeah. in, the, in the central, in, in downtown El Paso, there's a park, and it's like a little plaza. It's kind of like our, our, our version of Central Park or whatever, even though it's not even that very big. It would be maybe like 
I don't know, three minutes to cross it because it's so small. But uh, the the attraction of it was that back in the in the late 1800s, uh, they had a pool in the middle of the park that had alligators in it, and uh, the the actual the plaza is called the Plaza Los Lagartos, which means you know the Plaza of the Alligators. And uh, I guess it was a, a family that had pet alligators, and they put them in the center, in the middle of the, of the plaza, for people to to look at. But then people started being kind of, you know, uh, malicious towards them, and they would throw uh, like rocks at them, and they tried to like give them bones so they would choke and stuff like that. And so the alligators started started dying off, and and they removed them. <clears throat> they removed them from the park. I think like in nineteen. I want to say some, sometime in the, 1960, in the 1960s, they removed them from the park. But uh, <clears throat> the the pit was still there up until recently. And uh, they, re, 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 they re, re, uh, renovated the park. And now there's a big statue of alligators in, uh, in, the, in the center of the park. It's like a giant uh, statue. Of it. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the comic books that, that I've written... The cover uh, has that. They have it has these two guys fighting on top of that statue, and there's like a zombie horde like, coming coming to get them and stuff. So I'll send you a picture of it so you can check it out later. Awesome. Sounds really cool. Yeah, it, it was. I think it was. It would be pretty cool, but I mean, people kind of like messed it up for everybody else, so they they took them away. Yeah, people are dark stuff. I don't mean to be alligators, just being alligators. Mm -hmm. Um, heard you're you're talking about you're a big fan of like um creepy pastas and stuff. A little bit, yeah. I'm I'm I'm, in, I'm into the creepy pastas. What was your favorite um creepy pasta? Of course, it's it's gonna be the Slenderman. I think Slenderman. It's been going around for a long time. There's been different versions of it. Um, and just the, the thought of it kind of is very disturbing, you know. You see it and it just kind of stays with you and it follows you around. It's, uh, they, they call them tulpas, T-U-L-P-A-S. And uh, they're like manifestations of uh, the human... I guess uh, what would you call it like when enough people believe in something then it becomes real and it becomes tangible so the whole Slenderman phenomenon started because you know the creepypasta and then people started thinking about it and people started adding to it and so many people were so um, I guess involved in it or thinking about it that that thought became reality and people started having they started facing it in real life those, those girls that got to, they got to, to try and murder their friend because the slender man told them to do it they they believed in it so much that it became a reality to them. in their own minds it was it was something that, that existed and i think that's the thing about the three it's kind of like the rake with the black eyed kids stuff like that if you think about it long enough and you believe in it enough and enough enough people believe in it 
then it does become reality. And that's a very old thing that's been going on for a very long time. And like I said, it's called a tulpa. It's a, it's a thought that becomes real. Yeah, that's a, like a, a manifestation. Mm-hmm. Like a manifestation of the human, of the psyche, you want to call it that, or the collective human yeah. consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all know real life can suck sometimes, and your boss accidentally seeing you in your underpants on Zoom last week doesn't help any. That's why Reluctantly Codependent Sisters, the Shira and Rashalia, keep you enthralled and in stitches every week with their podcast, Legendary Africa. Every Monday and Friday, we take you on a journey of mythical lands, magical objects, and monstrous creatures, both ancient and modern. Find Legendary Africa on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you feed your ears. And remember, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. So, yeah, the, the Slenderman is, is an interesting creepypasta. I mean, there's been a lot of other stuff, like you know, just different oh. stories and stuff like that. Which one is your... I like the Zelda one. Like the which one is that one? The old Ben. I'm not think. I don't think I'm familiar with that. One. Go ahead. Uh, can you describe it? Can you tell me about it? Um, this guy bought a round. It's um, this guy bought a old um Zelda cartridge, and it was apparently haunted. And it kept messing up and. Same. Oh, find it. Yeah, it's four cartridge of Majora mask. And... Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. The Majora yeah, mask. Yeah. I kind of like glitching out and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I stick with this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we thought about aliens. Okay. Um, what have uh, what have you experienced with that? Um, nothing I can remember. I've, I've really not experienced a lot of stuff with aliens. I know, I know, I saw one as a kid, like a like a UFO. Um. It kind of looked like a like a saucer shape, actually, and it shot up into the air. I remember driving with my parents, and they had a station wagon, and I was all the way in the back looking out the, the window in the back of the station wagon, and I saw this thing kind of like rise up into the air, and it looked uh, you know like a saucer. It looked circular, and then it just shot straight up into the air. But an actual alien, I've never, I've never seen it. I, uh, I have a thought that ghosts could be possibly be aliens. I, explain that. How would that? How would that work? Like uh, they could be like extra dimensional, and we could, like can only see 
a little bit of them and then like or like they like implant in this image of a ghost in our heads mm -hmm. I guess I could see that I, I can understand where you're coming from with that and speaking of extra dimensional do, do you hear about the theory about uh, Bigfoot that apparently um, Bigfoot is an interdimensional being and oh yeah I heard that, that yeah, that that it glitches or that it 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 crosses like dimensions, and that's why you can't really see it in the woods. Like every time you see it, it's not it's there, but it's not there. I heard that. That's stupid. Yeah, it's, it's crazy theory, man. Just, like, what else? What else can Bigfoot do? You know, can he fly? Can he like breathe fire and stuff? Oh, apparently he's a extra-dimensional alien that's all-knowing and a hippie, but also really mean. He's like, what? I know, I know they're, they're really mean, yeah. I've, I've never heard that Bigfoots are not, you know, mean, especially if you mess with them, so. Well, that's, a, that's, that's like every animal, you mess with them. Mm-hmm. Like, Just don't go, don't go into its home and leave it alone and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's very, like, um, like any primate, like they're very territorial. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, the Bigfoot is a is a primate? Like it's a it's a near human. Probably, most likely. Yeah. I'm aware if it's like a cat. <laughs> they say that the the Dogman is an offshoot offshoot of uh, the Bigfoot species. That's more more feral and animalistic and that's why it looks kind of like a dog because it's just more i guess aggressive but it it's not really a dog it's just a, a bigfoot that's really really like hostile and aggressive that's why it's always attacking people and you know, people see it and they run because it looks scary scarier i guess than a bigfoot yeah I heard some, I read some crazy story about Dogman. They're like all over, um, up in the lake area, Great Lake areas, mm -hmm. Michigan and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Probably pee myself what if I see one. The what? Say again. I probably pee my, I probably piss my pants if I see one. <laughs> Shh, man, you're telling me. Like we talk about it all, all brave and stuff. Like yeah, this and that, and then we see it, and we're like, we'll oh, forget that. I think that's the thing that happens with most people. They're like, when they show the video, like Bigfoot in the forest and stuff. And like, Why didn't you run up to it? Why didn't you go look at it? Because I mean, if you're alone and you see something like that, I, I mean, you just freeze. You're gonna be upset. You're gonna be scared. Like you say, you're gonna piss yourself. Who knows yeah. what what that thing's gonna do to you? Especially if it's walking around out there alone and it's that big. Yeah, freaking! Oh, wait, like, get the they get up to like what eight foot? And, like, I've heard up, up to twelve or something. Huge. Yeah, up to twelve. Mm -hmm. It's like breaking off trees. Like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Dang. And I think there's like one Sasquatch up in New York, where like they were just go to tribes and like eat them all alive and like twist their necks around. Whoa. 
I've heard I've heard stories like that. I, I, I listened to other podcasts and there was this one podcast I was listening to. Uh, I don't know if you listen to it or not. It's called Sasquatch Chronicles. I have not chance to listen to it. No, if you get a chance, check it out. I know it was on Pandora, and I think they have a, a website also. But they talk a lot about, about Big, Bigfoot, and they have people that go on there. And uh, most of the people, like 99% of the people that go on there are a reputable source. You know, they're like cops or, or park rangers or ex-military or military that have seen stuff out there. And there was this one story that really like messed me up about about Bigfoot. That ever since I, I heard that story, I have I want nothing to do with Bigfoot. And I think honestly, you know, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but honestly I think that if you see one you should you should try and kill it. Because after I heard this story, man, it just scared the crap out of me. But apparently there was a park ranger uh, I can't remember the area of the country that it was in, but I, I think it was closer to you, somewhere like in Virginia or something. And um, there was a park ranger that got a call from from this lady that said that her husband was missing and that he had gone off into the woods to go camping by himself and uh, that she couldn't, she couldn't find him or that he hadn't been home yet. So the ranger went out there from where, from what the lady told him where he was, he went out there and looked for him, and sure enough, he found his truck. And he found his truck, and he started looking around and see, to see what would, what had happened or where he was. And the first thing that he noticed was that the truck, the front of the truck, was all smashed in. And he started looking around the campsite, and he started finding a lot of blood everywhere blood there was blood everywhere and bullet casings like uh, there had been some sort of a, like a standoff or a shooting or something and he uh he, he saw like this massive amount of blood on the ground like if something had been killed and then they had been dragged away so he started following hmm. the uh i guess the blood trail and uh as he went, like it started like kind of like it was a lot of blood and then it started kind of teetering off, but there was enough for him to follow. He said that he followed it. And this is a park ranger telling this story to, to the narrator. He said that he followed it for maybe a good uh, 30 to 45 minutes deeper into the woods and that he saw a shoe and he went up huh. to the shoe and he picked it up and there was a foot inside the shoe. What the fuck? Yeah, he and that, that's when he stopped. He's like, you know what? This is not nope. good. This is like a nope. murder scene. So he went back and he called he called it in and that apparently the he, the more people showed up and uh, they started tracking uh the trail and they started finding more body parts. They started finding like arms and legs and stuff like that. And they came to a point where they're like, okay, that we need some some federal help on this because they're like, oh my God, you know, there's like a madman out there that's like, he killed this person and chopped them up. And uh, that's when he started realizing that it wasn't a man that had done this. It was this thing. It was a, a Bigfoot or that it was a pack of Bigfoots. From what he described, he said that it was a pack of Bigfoots that invaded this man's camp 
and uh, I guess he had a standoff with them and started shooting them, and they got to him uh, because he did find his his gun, I guess, and uh, they dragged him off. And as they dragged him off, they started ripping parts off of him and just throwing them, just flinging them everywhere. And that it, that they called it in, and the feds showed up, and they started doing the investigation, and that they did find the guy's head. They found all his body parts eventually. But the, the thing that got me was that when the federal agent showed up, he's, he describes these dogs that they brought, that they were supposed to like track down whatever it was that had done this, and that the dogs did not look normal. They didn't look like regular dogs that you would, you know, that anyone would own or that they would train, like not even the canine units, that these dogs looked abnormal and mm. that the federal agents told the ranger there's like that's enough uh this is where your investigation ends we're gonna take it from here and the ranger was like well what's going on you know what are you guys gonna do and the the, the feds told him like you know what it's just best that you don't say anything and you don't talk about this to anybody we'll take it from here and that he had to go back and tell his wife the man's wife what had happened and she broke down and it was all crazy but uh, yeah that was the that was the story that kind of like made me think twice about ever messing with a Bigfoot just I don't want anything to do with it <laughs> definitely god it's I wonder what his dogs are about I was exactly that's pictures. A... I'm sorry go, no, go ahead go ahead go ahead finish I don't I don't know that's that's one of the interesting parts of that story. Like, what kind of dogs were those? Were they like genetically bred dogs to hunt Bigfoot or something, or Sasquatch or monsters, even? Maybe. Makes sense. They're pretty smart to do that. If they know about it. Yeah, exactly. If you get a chance, check it out. I mean, I, I always recommend it. I follow them on Instagram as well. They're called Sasquatch Chronicles. I don't know if they have a Twitter or not, but I know they have an Instagram. And of course, you know, they have their podcast. I haven't heard it in a while. I haven't listened to it in a bit. So I'm sure that there's more more podcasts now from them. But uh, they run a pretty cool, cool podcast. They have a lot of guests on there. They have a lot of information, not just on Bigfoot, but on other cryptids. I think last time they were talking about skinwalkers. And they also talk about... Uh, mm-hmm about the mothman and the cool thing about it is that the host himself he had like a like a run-in with a bigfoot that changed his mind about bigfoot forever and he actually uh encourages people to to kill them like if, if you run into one kill it just don't think twice it's not human just kill it so that's interesting about the about that did, uh, did they find any like footprints with that? And the guy was following the blood. I think so. I think he does make mention that he found like hair and found footprints and stuff, and that this thing or whatever it was, they were just they were just ripping pieces off of them and just flinging them, like throwing them as they walked along. Very. It's an intense story, man. Um, fun one story about um, you know the I don't know if I'm saying this right, but the Macchia 
Oh, type it into like little people. There's a um in New York. There's like little little people, like little like elves or dwarfs or whatever. New York. I I in the forest. They live in the forest. I heard about that. I think we were talking about that last time, weren't we, or something? Yeah. Uh, the little people who live in the forest. I think they live in like the Central Park or something like that. Yeah. Or somewhere where, where we... like, or somewhere in a state, like in the forest somewhere. Somewhere in upstate, upstate New York. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I guess I guess we gotta go visit New York, man, because there seems to be a lot of of activity going on up there. I'll have to go for the pizza. Right? I mean the food. I would I would definitely go to New York for for the for the food. Definitely. The literally get a New York style pizza. That'd be pretty definitely. cool. But um, what what have you heard about the about the little people? Like, like forest spirits, pretty much. Like help you with the uh, crops and stuff. So they were Happy. they were they were good natured, I guess you could say. Yeah. Not to them, they're not to you. Nice the environment, they're not to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a story I found. Uh, there once was a boy whose parents had died. He lived with his uncle who did not treat him well. Uncle dressed the boy in rags, and because of this, the boy was called Dirty Clothes. Wow. That's fucked up. Uh, this boy, Dirty Clothes, was a good hunter. He would spend many hours in the forest hunting food for his lazy uncle who would not hunt for himself. One day, Dirty Clothes walked near the river. Two squirrels that he had shot hanging from his belt. He walked near the cliffs was rose from the water. This is where the little people, the Jogio, often beat their drums. Most of the hunters from the village were afraid to go near this place. But Dirty Clothes remembered the words his mother had spoken years ago. Whenever you walk with good in your heart, you should never be afraid. A hickory tree grew there near the river. He saw something moving in its branches. A black squirrel as hopping about high up in the top of the tree when Dirty Clothes heard a small voice. Shoot again, brother, a small voice said. You, you still have not hit him. Dirty Clothes looked down and there near his feet were two small hunters. As he watched one of them shot an arrow, but it fell short of the black squirrel. Ah, Dirty Clothes thought. You'll never succeed like that. I must help them. He drew his bow and with one shot brought down the squirrel. A great shot. Wow. Uh, the tiny hunters ran squirrel. Whose arrows is this? Asked one of them. They looked up and saw the boy. Yeah. Uh, said one of the tiny hunters. You have shot well. The squirrel is yours. Thank you. Dirkos answered. But the squirrel is yours and also these others I have shot today. The two small hunters were very glad. Come with us, they said. Come face us. Visit our lodge so we can thank you properly. Dirty Clothes thought about his uncle, but it was still early in the day and he could hunt some more after visiting them. I will come with you, Dirty Clothes said. The little, the two little people led the boy to the river. There, a tiny canoe was waiting, only as big as one of his shoes. 
but his friends told him to step aside. He took one step and found he had become as small as the tiny hunters and was sitting with them inside their canoe. The little people dipped their paddles and up the canoe rose into the air. Okay, that's crazy. Uh, it flew over the hickory tree, straight <laughs> to the cliffs, into a cave. The place where the Jogigo people lived. There the two hunters told the story to other little people. Got there, greeted the boy as a friend. You must stay with us, his new friend said, for just a short time so we can teach you. Then the Jogio taught dirty clothes things which he had never known. He told him many useful things about the birds and forest animals. They taught him much about the corn and the squash and the beans which feed human life. They taught him about the strawberries which glow each June like embers in the grass and showed him how to make a special drink with the little people, which the little people love. Last, they showed him a new dance to teach his people. A dance to be done in a darkened place the little people could come and dance with them unseen. A dance which honored Jogio and thanked them for their gifts. Four days passed, and the boy knew that time had come for him to leave. I must go to my village, he told his friends. So it was with the two small hunters, he set out walking towards his home. As they walked with him, his two friends pointed that to the many plants which were useful, and the boy looked at each plant carefully, remembering its name. Later, when he turned to look back at his friends, he found himself all alone in a field near the edge of his village. Jerky mm-hmm. Close walked into his village wondering how many things had changed in just four days. It was the same place, yet nothing was the same. People watched him as he walked, and finally a woman came up to him. You're welcome here, stranger, said the woman. Hey, what? He's been gone for four days. What the hell? He's almost stranger. <laughs> please, tell, please tell us who you are. Uh, don't you know, he answered. I am Dirty Clothes. How can that be, said the woman. Your clothing is so beautiful. And at that, he saw his old rags were gone. The thing he wore now was a fine new buckskin, embroidered with moose hair and porcupine quills. Where is my uncle, he asked the woman, the one who lived there in that lodge and had a nephew dressed in rags. Then the old man spoke up from the crowd. Ah, said the old man, that lazy person, he's been dead uh, many years, and why would a fine young warrior like you look for such a man? Very close, looked at himself and saw he was no longer a boy. He became a full-grown man and towered over the people of his village. I see, he said. The little people have given me more gifts than I thought. And he began to tell his story. The wisest of the old men and women listened well to this young warrior. He learned many things by so listening. That night, all his people did the dark dance to thank the Jogio ordered gifts and in the darkness of the lodge they heard the voices of the little people joining in the song glad to know that the human beings were grateful for the gifts and so it is even to this day that the little people remain the friends of the people of the lawn house and dark dance is done even to this day oh Ooh. wow wow apparently got time traveling going on there yeah a little bit like either that or I don't know, he just, like, the passage of time just was different or something. That's pretty interesting. I know that there's a lot of, uh, of uh, I guess, legends of little people. Yeah. Not just uh, not just in East Coast, uh, I guess, tribes, but also over here in, in the Southwest and, and uh, the West Coast also. But over here in the Southwest, apparently they're uh, bad omens. Like, if you see one... Uh, 
usually something bad is going to happen. I know I, I had a friend that I worked with at uh, at a call center, and uh, he was native. He was uh, uh, I want to say that he was man, what was he like Navajo or something like that, and he said that uh, as a kid, or not as a kid, but as a teenager, they he had gone out to the the arroyo that was near the reservation that he grew up on and they were messing around they were like drinking and stuff like that they started calling out to the little people he gave me the name but i can't remember what the name was uh when they started calling out to little people they're like come out you know let's see you we want to see what you look like blah 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 and that whatever it was climbed out of the arroyo and started walking towards them. And he said that all they saw was a shadow. They couldn't see anything as far as what, uh, any details of the face or any details of the body. He just said that it was like a shadow and it was hunched over and it was a tiny person, maybe like two feet, two to three feet tall. And they freaked out and they all jumped in the truck or whatever they were in and they, they took off. I think it was a truck. I think it was like that. And they drove off. And then after that, um, I think that something happened with the, the owner of the truck. He ended up crashing or something like that. And they blamed the, uh, the little person that they had seen. That it was an omen of something bad that was going to come to me. Yeah, there's stories all over the place about these little, little people. Like the Ireland, they have the leprechauns. And Hawaii, they have the... What they're called, but they're like little builder people. They build like yeah. all these aqueducts and stuff in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Something it, to it. It's it, there's something to it. I know. I had I had another friend that said he saw a troll or what he thought was a troll one time in in L.A. That it was uh it was in his, his garbage can. That yeah, uh, they lived in an apartment complex and he went out to throw the trash, and when he walked out, he saw this thing. Uh, going through the garbage and that he started like yelling at it and that it turned around and he's and i told him oh it was probably just like a like a dwarf or you know, someone like that or a person that, yeah. that has dwarfism and he's like yeah. no this, this wasn't a dwarf i know what a dwarf looks like this was not a dwarf he said that it was just really nasty looking it had long scraggly hair that its hands were were kind of claw-like and that it it kind of jumped out of the trash can and looked at him and started chasing him. Then he ran back into the, into the apartment complex and uh, he never saw it again after that. So there's, there's oh. a lot of stories out there about little people and you know, things like that. Like, like you were saying, you know, leprechauns and stuff like that. Uh, ever heard about these like naked bears in New York? Giant naked no, bears. that, that's that's a new one to me. What's that about? Um, they're like giant bears who like lose apparently lose their, their fur because they eat human beings. What? The legends. Yeah. No, I never heard about that. That's I I gotta look into that. So they're kind of like how how would that affect their 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 hair though? That's weird. Like if they eat people, they lose their hair. I don't know. It's interesting. So, Seneca warrior was missing from his village. It was thought that this appearance was due to witchcraft in the neighborhood. 
A party of skilled men were formed to find out the cause of his unexplained disappearance. They discovered great tracks near the village, which he followed to a cave in the woods. Making a large fire, they threw burning brands into the cave. In a short time, a, uh, called a, again, I can't even pronounce this word. The naked bear came out. They shot arrows at the beast, but none of these injured him, for he was full of evil orenda. But while the bear was rushing around, he happened to raise his forefeet. And when a man shot him there, he died instantly, for it said the life of the naked bear is in the souls of of his forefeet and that this fell in no other spot the naked bear used to eat commonly common bears no bear but this would eat a bear no other kind of bear would be killed by being shot in the feet wow yeah yeah uh, i got warriors who were good no good no go, go ahead i was just gonna say like i have to look into that because it sounds interesting but if you got another story yeah. go ahead i want to hear it go for it uh Two young warriors were cousins started on a hunting expedition. Having arrived at their destination, they constructed a temporary camp. Sometime after camping, they heard a very peculiar noise. And one of the cousins said, I'm going to see what is making that noise, the sound. Okay, man. Never. Jesus. I know, huh? Yeah, I'm going to take off on my cell. I'm going to go check it out. Hold on. One of the um, investigation he found that the sound came from a hollow tree, so they included naturally that it was caused by a bear. Okay, what going back to the camp? He said to his companion, There must be a bear in that hollow tree. Hmm. Although, <laughs> <laughs> what how big is this tree? Uh, although the noise which makes it is like that of a whirlwind. When they both went to the tree to investigate further the cause of the peculiar sounds. One climbed the tree to take a look into the cavity. At first he could see nothing, but finally saw at the bottom of the hollow cavity a spotted trout, which was leaping around swiftly in water collected there. Crawling in the hole, he captured a trout with his hand. On getting out, he threw the fish down to his cousin, who said, This is a curious fish. Let's take it back to camp. Another replied, No! Do not touch it. It may be something that will bring us harm. You just got this a fish, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but the other young man would not heed his disadvice. Um, taking the fish to camp, he cleaned, cooked, and ate it. Yeah, this fish. When he had finished eating, he began to very he began to be very thirsty and said to his companion, "Go and get us some water, cousin." The cousin brought him water and the other drank and kept on drinking, seeming to be unable to get enough water. And then his cousin said to him, Do you not think that fish is making you ill? The only reply was, Oh, give me some more water. <laughs> take take mm -hmm. my moccasins and get me plenty. He brought both moccasins full of water, which the thirsty man drank at once. At last, the man who was not ill said, I'm tired of getting you water. For you go to the spring there you can drink all you want visit the spring he drank until he was tired of drinking then he rested and then he began to drink still more the cousin being third busy around the camp did not pay much attention to the sick man but after a while he went to the spring to look after his cousin arriving there he was frightened when he saw uh him for his mouth had become like that of a fish he asked the sick man how he felt other replied oh 
about as usual, they came query. Does not your mouth feel weird? Putting up his hand, the afflicted youth found that his mouth had grown large, but still kept on drinking. His companion hurried back to the camp in sorrow. Next time he went to the spring, he found that his cousin had come fish to the waist. Later, when we went again to the spring, his cousin had completely changed into a fish and had gone to the spring. The following morning, his cousin had become a great fish, dwelling far under the water, and the spring had grown into a large pond. The man sat down on the bank of the pond. Soon the great fish, raising its head out of the water, said, My poor cousin, you see how I have turned into a fish? Go home and tell my parents what has come of me. When you need fish, come to this pond and you shall get all you want. The pond will always be full of fish. The man went home where he told everyone what had befallen his companion. The people then visited the pond, whereupon the great fish, lifting his head above the surface, said, I shall not long be a fish. I'll soon become a naked bear. Then the people departed. In a short time, the great fish became a naked bear, having hair only on its back and feet. It remained around the lake, and of those who came there to fish, it always killed and ate one. The people did not see this done, but always missed one of their numbers at the place. They did not like this at all, knowing that if the fish continued to live there long, it would kill many persons. The people therefore assembled in a council to decide how to get rid of the great fish. At last, two or three young men agreed to go there and tried to kill the great bear, but they never returned. Men who went to find them covered only their garments. Following the cousins, the man who had become a great bear said, I shall now go. Perhaps I may be able to kill it. So they prepared for him parts of corn, new moccasins, and a very good bow, and twelve fine arrows. Having arrived at the pond, he came. He camped there. That night, he dreamt he dreamed that his cousin appearing to him in the form of a man asked him, Why did you come? I can kill you. That's funny. I know. Oh, that's... Like, oh, there you are. Why'd you come here? I'm going to kill you now. The other answered, I've come to kill you. Oh, okay. So we're going to kill each other. Oh, man. As you are doing great harm to our people, a great bear said, I shall start at daylight and you, and you pursue me and see if you can c- catch me. Let's go. Let's go, man. Let's do this. Mm. <clears throat> Early in the next morning, the young man started in the direction the great bear had indicated it would flee. And running as swiftly as he could, he kept up the pursuit till midday. When he saw the tracks of the great bear, thereupon he shouted in triumph, Now I shall kill you. I shall soon overtake you now. Mm. <laughs> what the hell? Then he ran faster than he had been running before. He ran until night when he, he camped and built a fire. On looking on his bundle of corn flour, he found that it had become ants and he had nothing to eat. This was perhaps, this was a mishap caused by the great bear in order to deprive the man of food. It was now night. While the young man sat there thinking about the, his situation, he heard the approach of footsteps. He knew it was his cousin, the great bear, and he was ready to take aim with the when the, the great bear called, Stop, cousin! Hold until I can have a talk with you. If you offer me to escape this time, I'll start 
early in the morning and will leave this part of the country forever. I will injure your people no more. The young man replied, if you're in earnest in what you have just said, I will spare your life. You know that too many have already been killed by you. You must stop killing our people at once. Thoroughly find the great bear agreed to this and having bade each other farewell, they parted. Next morning, the young man went, went home where he told the people who had occurred, adding, You can now fish in the pond as much as you desire. There is no one to give you trouble now. So it came to pass that the great bear kept his word to his cousin. Wow. <laughs> so he did He did murder him after all. Uh, apparently they're like, oh, he may not kill me. <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's interesting. There's a lot of legends like that out there, you know, the Native American legends, uh, you know, in all parts, I guess, of the country. So it's just, but like you said earlier, you know, every every part has a very similar story. So if that's if that's the fact, then what exactly were were people witnessing, or what were they experiencing that's so similar? Was it something that was just everywhere, or is it still everywhere? We just don't look. Uh, I guess the same way anymore like we don't search for it the way that uh, the people are used to maybe so well it's like or it's fine it's like hard it's like a of it's like stories that like help the moral guidelines and stuff to it mm-hmm. But there are a lot of similarities. Like I said, there's like so many similarities and stories. Like there's there's something to it. I don't know what it is, but I'm trying, I'm trying to learn more and more about it. Yeah, there there is something to it. And um, I was gonna say that I'm running out of uh, juice on my phone here, so I might have to to cut out pretty soon. But uh, when when do you have this again? I mean, I'd, I'd like to come back and we could talk some more oh. about the, about cryptids and stuff like that. Oh, um, come back in like three weeks. Or so, two, yeah, three. that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good, man. I would love to come back and um, also have you on the on the stream uh, the next oh, yeah. time that uh, that we set it up. That way, you can talk about the stuff that you're doing. Are you are you currently working on anything right now, or are you just doing the podcast? Um, I'm working on setting up a channel for like next season. Cool. So I'm gonna do videos and stuff. Oh, really? Because uh, uh, YouTube's a YouTube's a freaking pain in the ass. Because of freaking uh, Tell me about it. I've heard. I mean, I've tried also the same thing, like loading up videos. And- just being consistent and, and, and having content and stuff. What uh, what type of videos are you going to be doing? Like just like podcast videos. Do like certain camera stuff. I can get the like, cameras and stuff for for the podcast. So I can get people. Cool. Apparently, people like having a look at a face. Yes. Yeah, I know that's that's something that's something that I've uh, come to realize also. So 
It just depends. It depends if my if my makeup is on and my hair is done. So Yeah. Same. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but um yeah man, just let me know and I'll, I'll gladly be back and stuff. We'll talk some more about about the stuff that we love as far as uh, cryptozoology oh, and cryptids Wait. and monsters and stuff. I haven't I haven't realized we're doing this for like ninety minutes. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. The time just flies, man. It's, it's awesome. So you have enough content there for maybe two podcasts or something. You want to break it up? That's funny. I'll take, I'm about to go to work too in a minute. So. Oh really? Oh yeah. Yeah, today's my day off, so I I I lucked out on that. But uh, yeah, I'll keep in touch with you, man. On on the, yeah on the social media, and we'll do it again. Oh, and I do appreciate it very much for giving me the opportunity. Oh, for you, um. Where can people find you, and when is your comic book coming out? Where's plan to come out? Um, as far as that, uh, right now it's on Indiegogo. Like the preview is on Indiegogo. If you go to Six by Six Comics, uh, Undead Border, you can check it out there. That's the one that we're working on right now. The Cryptonodes comic, uh, hopefully next year. I'm giving the artist enough time so he can finish all the pages, and we don't have to worry about that. And we'll just have a book ready to go once we uh, crowdfund it, and that's a lot easier to to get out there uh but i'm gonna keep updating like on instagram and twitter uh, you know different stuff about cryptids and, and things like that so if you get a chance check it out there it's a uh, cryptonolds c r y p i t i'm sorry c r y p t i d n a l s cryptid nulls and it's a play on words a little bit it's kind of like they're criminals. People like society views them as, as such, as monsters. So they call themselves the cryptonals. Yeah. You're, I really like, the, like your post on Instagram about the comic book. Cool. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, as soon as I get more pages, I'll, I'll post them up on the, on the social medias and I'll send them to you so you can check them out too. Like, uh, see what see what you think and stuff so uh, but yeah man let's let's do it again this was really really fun i really do appreciate it no problem man i had a freaking blast the stories you told were amazing scary and good awesome yeah you too man all the stuff that you were saying i love the native american uh stories and stuff so keep 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 those coming too but uh, we'll talk more next time and i do appreciate it once again my name is ray and i do thank you once again uh for having me on there and uh, catch me uh, on uh, the six by six streams on YouTube. Uh, we talk more about comics and stuff and, and thank you for having me. Thank you for coming and thank you for Appreciate listening, everyone. This has been, this has been a monster legend podcast, monster legends of New York part two with Ray from Cryptonals. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Monster Legend Podcast. Or if I find more information 
about Monster Legend Podcast, go to monsterlegendpodcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash monsterlegendpodcast. There you can find all episodes and platforms on which the podcast is on, which you can describe, subscribe to. You also can email me with questions that will be answered on the show. Thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.